Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Age of Radio. Pre-roll time. The Cheers to Comics podcast is proudly brought to you by Inked Marketing Solutions. And uh, I actually don't have an individual Inked Marketing Solutions project to promote on this here pre-roll. Now, I want to tell you a little bit about uh, Inked Marketing. It's just a little more detail, what they actually do. Um, well, uh, in, in a time of uh, uh, Kickstarters, uh, this, this is the Kickstarter age, no doubt about it. Um, there's, uh, there, I, I've seen it happen way too many times. Uh, big books that should be great. Don't know how to actually do the, uh, I don't know, the, the boring shit when it comes to putting on a, a Kickstarter. And that's where Inked Marketing comes in. Uh, they do all the important boring shit. Uh, you make the comic, Inked Marketing makes sure that it gets funded, is what it comes down to. Uh, it's a, an advertising signal boosting uh, juggernaut. The uh, the success rate is just <laughs> it's hard to match, man. It's hard to match. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but as somebody that follows all of these uh, these campaigns and everything, as long as you follow Inked Marketing's uh, uh, the, the individualized program, and that's the cool thing. It's not like it's everybody gets you you do it this way and you get that. No. Uh, Kevin, the man behind it all, he sits down with you and it, it, it's a real life conversation. You know, it's a very personal situation and, you know, he says, okay, well, do you want to get out of this? This is what I feel is reasonable. And then it's, uh, I guess the, the man, he's a marketing expert. That's what he does. Um, so... He's taking his expertise to the Kickstarter and Indiegogo, really just the crowdfunded community, and uh, he's, he's doing amazing things. So, um, yeah, and, and it, with all of these pre-rolls, if you've ever listened to this podcast before, you hear me talk about Inked Marketing and, you know, the, uh, more so the projects that they promote, I, I, I feel that you really need to know who Inked Marketing is uh, early. Get in on the ground floor. And, you know, if you're a creator listening to this right now, uh, just... Search Inked Marketing Solutions, and if you can't find them for whatever reason, um, you should be able to find them. Then you know where to find me, at Cheers to Comics, anywhere. Just, yeah, get a hold of me, and I will put you in touch with the right person to uh, to get your, your uh, campaign funded. So, there you go. Uh, Inked Marketing Solutions, people. Get some. Welcome back to the Cheers to Comics Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Wayne, and this is episode 345. The 345th episode of the Cheers to Comics Podcast will be a creator corner, and the creator that's been brought on for this episode, well, he's none other than Ed Brisson. You may recognize Ed Brisson from such books as X-Men and Beyond the Breach, and possibly, in the future, 
Batman Secret Files, Clown Hunter. What do you mean in the future? The future has already happened. Uh, Clown Hunter is out. Um, but you know, we started talking before Clown Hunter came out, so I didn't get to really elaborate on all that. But uh, oh man, it, 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 it's it's a great fucking conversation, people. It really is. I enjoyed the hell out of talking to this uh, um, modern age legend. You know, the guy's done some stuff in just a short amount of time, so. I look forward to your, uh, you, uh, yeah, you experiencing this conversation. But first, before we get into that, I gotta remind you about my newest and most exciting affiliate of the Cheers to Comics podcast, and that's Nerds Forever. Nerds Forever, a little local comic book shop located in Newcastle, Wyoming, that uh, yeah, that has quite the store being built right now online. So whether you're uh, you're out in the middle of nowhere, Wyoming, or passing through the middle of nowhere, or not. Uh, Nerds Forever, they make sure that they have you covered. Um, you, you will get the best customer service that I've ever witnessed when it comes to uh, um, uh, comic book shops. It's just that, that's why I extended the uh, the offer out. Hey, want to be an affiliate? Because I like the way you fucking do shit. And um, they continue to do amazing shit. Just uh, for example, let me just tell you what the fuck you may be missing out on by not being a part of, uh, you know, the Nerds Forever clientele. So, hot books, hot books. Um, well, Tarl listens to this podcast, so he stocks his inventory with uh, hot books that are recommended throughout this podcast. And my, uh, my, my I Told You So record is pretty decent. Um, so, yeah. But, for instance, I went and I uh, uh, was looking at their inventory, and I was like, hey, look at this Batman Urban Legends, number six. Holy shit, this is a book that's sold out everywhere. And guess what? It's cover price, minus 10% off. So it's undercover price for a book that's selling for between $25 and $35, $40. Um, so that's the type of, you know, you don't know where to look. Check out Nerds Forever. That's what I'm saying. So it's 307nerds, the number 4ever.com. 307nerdsforever.com. Oh, yeah. So, um, without any further ado, I want to bring to you uh, one of my uh, <laughs> one of my uh, most proud conversations I've had. This is what, like my 97th interview, I think, if I counted that right. So, uh, yeah, without any more of my babbling, I'm gonna I'm gonna tune you into uh, Ed Brisson. All right, Ed, how are you, sir? Doing great. Save Let's... some food. So I'm, I'm all full up and ready to go. Right on, man. Right on. Uh, I'm, well, I mean, I, I'm a very energetic person when it comes to talking comics, so uh, it's probably a good thing because I'm, I'm going to drag the energy out of you, that's for sure. Uh, I don't know that that's possible. I'm, I'm the most laid-back dude in the world. So <laughs> <laughs> They say the same thing about me, and then I start talking about comics, and I'm a mile a minute. Right. So, um, yeah, no, I'm uh, – I'm I'm so excited to do this. Uh, you're you. I mean, I'm, you're a man that needs a little introduction. Um, but uh, you you have such an extensive uh, just history and what you've done uh, just in indie comics and Marvel and um, a little bit in DC and even more coming up in DC. And this is all stuff that we're gonna get to. But you've done so much in such a, a small amount of time. I think 2015 was the year I got into comics. So um or back into comics let me rephrase that so i mean you're automatically on my radar right off the bat so it feels like you've been doing this for as long as i've been enjoying this so it's been a fun few years that's for sure awesome um, uh but uh the, i i know that like i said so many people know who you are already but all great stories have an, an origin story and in the, and the beginning to it and uh I'm pretty sure the listeners kind of want to know where uh, where Ed Brisson comes from, man. I mean, how well, how long have comics really been a part of your life? Are you a, a lifetime enjoyer or a late yeah. bloomer? No, I actually, uh, I always wanted to get into comics. Um, <clears throat> when I was a, a kid, I think I started reading comic books when I was, I don't know how old I was. It, it was one of those things where comics were just kind of always around when I was a kid. Okay, I had that sort of like standard... Uh, story that you hear from a lot of people where I ended up in the hospital for a bit when I was a kid and they brought me like stacks of comic books to read all right uh, for a while uh but I was just I was I read them as far back as I can recall 
And uh, I wanted to be a comic book artist growing up uh, more than just about anything. I wanted to be a comic book artist. And uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time just drawing, um, taking art classes. After I graduated high school, I went to fine arts university to sort of hone my craft. Um, then I dropped out of university after about a year and a half, I think, because <clears throat> there was no there was no sort of a comic specific uh, courses back then when I was going. And uh, all my professors were constantly trying to talk me out of doing comics. But uh, yeah, I dropped out of university and just started self-publishing comics back in 1994. And uh, I would write and draw and color and letter uh, everything. and. From like 94 till about uh, 2010, I probably did. I did a lot of zines and sort of mini comics. Okay. Probably released about 50 over those over that time period. And then um, about 2010, uh, I realized that I, I actually hate drawing, but really like writing. <laughs> okay. And, and so I just switched to writing. Initially, I only wrote when I started doing comics because I didn't know any writers. So it was early enough days in, you know, with the internet that it was hard to sort of find people, uh, find other writers. And it wasn't, uh, you know, as huge as it is now, there weren't so many specific communities as there are now. Right. And so, yeah, I only started writing because I didn't have scripts to work from and I needed them. So, well, like I said, in 2010, I realized that's the thing I preferred doing. And so I switched just doing that instead. Do you remember that moment exactly uh, when you said, you know what, screw the drawing? Uh, do, 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 I mean, was, was it a, a drawing that you were working on? You just, it, it, wasn't... Yeah, it was It was actually on my birthday. Uh, okay. Like, I remember the day specifically. Like, I, I was uh, drawing. Uh, I was starting a new comic. I was just going to start a new comic. Uh, my art style is kind of cartoony. And it was an autobio comic uh, about a night in Vancouver. And... Um, I uh, was I was just in the middle of drawing it, and I was, was kind of like, you know, fuck this. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to do this. Uh, my my art style and and the kind of story I like to write, um, I guess, could provide an interesting contrast, but they're like very different. Like I like I said, I have a very cartoony style, but I tend to like to write darker stuff. Um, gotcha. So yeah, I, I just put it down and and. Uh, I, I got like really bummed out and depressed and I went for a long walk and was just trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do with comics, what I wanted to do with my life. Uh, at this point I had a day job. It was a pretty decent day job. And um, I was like, as like everyone at my work was great. You know, it was a great place to work, but I was just completely unsatisfied. And uh, I just went home and I, I sat down and I started writing, decided I was only going to write from that point on. And I started working on the first uh, murder book story. I wrote the entire first draft that day. Wow. And um, yeah, I revised it a whole bunch. And then I was lucky enough to, you know, because I'd been self-producing comics for so long, I knew a bunch of comic creators. And I was able to convince my friend Simon Roy to draw the, the story. It was only, like, I think, 12 pages. And I just posted up online and then I just kept doing that. I just kept writing short crime stories, putting them online uh, for free. And once I started doing that, things started to change for me. And uh, I started to get more intent, uh, more attention. Um, I had like, I was lucky in that a few comic pros had read some of my stuff and had linked to it. And uh, that sort of put me on the radar of some other people. And uh, yeah, I would, I would self-print these murder book uh, stories that I was doing and bring them to conventions and you know that ended up putting me on the radar of uh, you know Marvel and such uh, I think it helped me get my first image book back in 2012 yeah so, yeah it was like a lot of uh, you know the frustration built and, and became something good that's that's so awesome I, I love it um uh, so uh, you said image was the, the the first one you broke into as far as like the um, a, a major publisher. I, I was under the impression it was Dark Horse for some reason. So image gave you the the first real taste. Yeah. So it was image uh, Shadowline uh, in 2012. I did the, a book called Comeback with Michael Walsh. Okay. Who? Um, oh man, that Michael Walsh, like Silverboy yeah, yeah. Michael Walsh. Oh shit. Yes. Yeah. Well, he and I like um, we met online uh back in like 20 i want to say late 2010 early 2011 
because he was doing a pitch uh, for a book he he wanted to to um, get published called Delta that he was writing and he was drawing and he needed a, a letterer. And I was doing a lot of comic book lettering back then. I had like a side gig lettering manga and stuff and uh, was doing some sort of mainstream stuff. I lettered a couple books for image and such. Uh, oh crap, can we pause for just one second? Oh, sure. Thanks, one moment. Yeah, absolutely. Hello. This is late 2010. There we go. All right. So I met Michael Walsh, uh, I think late 2010 or early 2011, because he was putting together a pitch uh, for a series called Delta, which uh, he was writing and drawing and was going to send to Image and such. And um, he needed a letterer. And at that point, I lettered some Image books. I've been doing a lot of manga. It was sort of sort of a side gig I was using to help fund uh, the um, comics I was making. Okay. And uh yeah, so he hired me to letter it. We did five pages. I really love his art style. And we get along really well through, through the emails. We would talk quite a bit. And so when it came time for him to pay me, I offered up, uh, you know, I, I told him that I was writing stuff and asked if he might be interested. Instead of him paying me, just like, ah. if he would draw a murder book story and just like, you know, we could barter. So you know, he could knock off whatever he owed me from his page rate, whatever it was. But he read the murder book story. He, he liked the murder book stuff a lot and was really into it. Um, and we ended up just actually sort of teaming up and working on stuff together as, as co-creators. Um, and we had this idea, he and I, after about a, I guess nearly a year of talking, he and I were just really, really wanted to get a book through at Image. And so we came up with a plan that I would uh, write a pitch uh, I would write the first five pages, which you need to pitch the, the comic book with. And I would hand them off to him and he would start drawing them. And then while he was doing that, I would start working on another pitch and write the, five, the first five pages so that when he was drawing the five pages for our first pitch, I would hand it off and he, he would draw a second pitch. And our plan was just to, just to keep hitting image with pitches Mm -hmm. like every every two months you know every month every two months and uh i think uh yeah uh, comeback was actually our second pitch so our first pitch we actually got some feedback uh and we for a moment we thought it was going to happen but it ended up not happening but our second book uh comeback uh went through and for both of us that was our first image book that's so awesome man that's so awesome and then um uh, eventually uh, dark horse ends up putting out murder book right yeah so i've done comeback at uh at image and then i've done a series called sheltered with johnny christmas and somewhere nice. when i was working on sheltered uh i was at a convention and a friend of mine from vancouver uh, robin mcconnell uh, who used to do the ink studs podcast he was hanging out with a dark horse editor uh jim gibbons who he introduced us at Robin did the hard sell. I'm terrible at selling myself, but Robin did the hard sell on, on Murder Book. And so Jim Gibbons and I got to talking and they eventually uh, made an offer to not only collect all the Murder Book stories they'd done to date, but they um, commit, they paid for four more to run in Dark Horse Presents. So I got to do four new uh, Murder Book stories that would run in Dark Horse Presents. Then after their run in Dark Horse Presents, all the stories were then collected into a, a soft cover edition that came out, I want to say March or April of 2015. So awesome. Yeah. So yeah, it was That's pretty awesome. cool. Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, you know, Murder Book is my baby, so it was nice to kind of get it out there in the world. I love it, man. Oh, what a story. Oh, <laughs> and then, so uh, what ends up being your, your, your break into the, the big two then? Uh, so it was another weird story uh, in that I was at uh, C2E2 in 2013. Okay. Uh, it was early in the year. I was sharing a table with Walsh. And <clears throat> we'd had copies of Comeback that we were selling. Walsh had some prints and stuff that he was selling. And I had print copies of uh, Murder Book that I'd done. I, I think at that point I had three issues out. And it was the end of the show, last day. The show shut down you know they're kicking everyone out and i had like three or four copies of murder book left 
and I didn't want to take them back with me. So as I was leaving the convention center, I was just handing them to people, you know, just asking people if they wanted free crime comics and handed them to a couple people. And then I left the show. And then about two, three months later, I got an email from Lauren Sinkovich, who used to be an editor at Marvel. Uh, I didn't realize that one of the, that she was one of the people I handed the copies to. Wow. It wasn't intentional that I gave them to a Marvel editor. I was literally just trying not to pack them and trying not to bring them home. So it was, it was just a fluke. It was just an accident, basically, that uh, put me on Marvel's radar. She read the issues. She liked them. Uh, they needed someone to fill in a couple issues for Nick Spencer on Secret Avengers. So they offered me the two issues to fill in, which uh, was my first Marvel work. I think that came out in October of 2013. So later that same year, um, I don't think the issues are that great. It was like, you can really tell how nervous I was sort of writing for big two. Uh, <laughs> I was second guessing everything. I don't think Marvel thought they were that great because they didn't invite me to do anything else for another two and a half years, I think. Oh, but, man. uh, but yeah, that was my first, uh, my first go with Marvel was 2013. Well, I, I'd say that you have seen something and because, I mean, when, when you did come back, I mean, you, you, you really built up that Marvel resume. That's for sure. I mean, it felt like they had you do almost everything. And I, I mean that in a good way. I mean, it was it's so cool looking at your your uh, your, your Marvel resume and it's it's just so much. And it's it's cool going through and go, uh, most of it I've read. Like I said, cool. like since I since I've been back into this in 2015, I mean that's that's, I mean I read a lot of Marvel and <laughs> it's, it's a lot, man. And if there's an event or something like that, I'm into it. I mean, you doing uh, Uncanny with Rosenberg was just, oh my god, that was that was that was amazing. I want to talk a little bit about you know getting to do an X Men book. You know, I mean, you you break into Marvel, you know, and then. They put you on the bench, I guess you would say, for a couple of years and you come back and now you're doing Uncanny X-Men, like the, the, the final run before the Hickman universe starts. Right. I mean, that's that's what it was, I believe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, it yeah. was Matt, Matt Kelly and I for 10 issues. And then uh -huh. Matt, I think, got another 10 or 11 after. That's what it was. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it was great. I'd actually um, like dated one of the editors about a year and a half before had offered me one of the X-Men spinoff books and I turned it down because I just started at Marvel and I, I just wasn't, uh, I didn't feel like I was ready to do like a team book like that. Gotcha. I, I would say team books are kind of, uh, they feel sometimes like my kryptonite, but um, yeah. So, but when it came back a year later, uh, I think Darren Shan had offered it to us and uh, I was really, uh, Matt Kelly and I are all, we're really tight. We talk pretty much every day uh, back then and still now. So <clears throat> it was just a cool opportunity to be able to write X-Men and write it with two good friends. Uh, it was uh, it was a little bit intimidating, I think, uh, because X-Men has such a long history. Uh, everyone has their favorite uh, runs of the X-Men. Uh, everyone has their favorite <clears throat> characters on the team. And uh, there's a lot of expectation that if you're using um, their favorite character, that they have to be handled uh, correctly and usually yeah, correctly. They... Yeah, correctly is such a, a loose word. I mean, what is what is correctly? I mean, it's so subjective. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm I using understand that pressure. There's no way. I'm using sort of air quotes here because uh -huh. it's usually people have their their era of that particular character and 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 sort of dismiss every other era of that character. Mm -hmm. um, but they're very precious about those characters, and and not only do they get mad if you don't use their character correctly by by their standards, they just they'll get mad if their favorite character is just not on the team, right? Like um, mm -hmm. uh, the amount of people who sent us messages angry because. Christ, wind dancer or something like that is not on the team. Um, yeah. it, it is kind of staggering, uh, but you know, there's I don't know, there's like half a, just like what five hundred X Men over the yeah, years. It, it, it's ridiculous. It's yeah, no, it's it, it is literally impossible to to be able to do an X Men book and please everybody. It's 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 no, it's not a thing. 
Um, well, we're we're gonna we're gonna figure out time travel before we figure out an X Men book that can please everybody as a whole. It's it's just not a thing. So yeah, no, I mean, I coming on as you know like a uh, an air quote new guy and getting to do the X Men. I couldn't imagine feeling that type of pressure. But also at the same time, like you mentioned, um, I've had both Kelly and Matt on the the podcast in the past myself. I think you're you're you you were the final one. You were the final one of the Trinity. <laughs> but um, no, I mean after speaking with them, I I, I can. I can tell that they're they're just the the right type of people you would want to 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 ease your mind and you know it's just they're 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 so laid back you know they just want they want to have fun I mean look what Rosenberg did on his final issues he got to kill everybody he clearly mm-hmm. didn't give a shit you know <laughs> and then, I mean that in the best way because he knew what was coming before all of us so I mean just knowing that he's killing everybody freaking everybody out knowing that Hickman's is going to bring it all back yeah I mean having that type of just laid back mindset going into this it had to have been uh just that much easier i guess but man i loved what you guys did on that that was that was my i was always i mean you say you're nervous to write x-men i was nervous to read x-men for a long time you know i mean (laughs) i didn't know when to jump into it and i felt like i jumped into it at a great time Uh, i love that you you you, you made the team real useful i mean you kind of they were like the new mutants of today is mm-hmm. I, I mean it's i, I love it and uh, now, now you're writing new mutants in the hickman verse right i mean that, I, I was yeah i'm not yeah. i haven't for about a year now but yeah i was uh i wrote uh oh god i don't remember how many issues seven issues something like yeah that. yeah oh man yeah no I, uh, I i love it and then uh, i i i gotta say you now you have a spider-man credit too i think it's you know you mentioned nick spencer in the beginning and now you're you're doing a <laughs> you did a, a two-issue block with spencer on spider-man i mean uh how, how does that feel i mean this is your first spidey title right I'm yeah it is that. uh my first time writing spider-man it's it's a weird thing because i'm coming in basically just assisting on uh, a story that spencer already has laid out so mm-hmm. it's not uh it's not the same as say if i i, I was just creating a, a story from scratch so i'm kind of just assisting someone else i guess um sure. It's it's still fun, you know, like writing Spider-Man, getting to write jokes. It's uh, it's uh, been a lot of fun. It's interesting that you gotta. I found that when I start writing them, it's really interesting to lean into jokes too hard. So it's it's trying to find that balance for what works and what the works for the character, like how uh, getting his voice down. I think everyone when they come to Spider-Man, they write a lot of jokes, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, you know, Spider-Man obviously is more than just jokes. Absolutely. Uh, so it took me a bit to dial back on that, but uh, yeah, no, it was a lot of fun. It is, but again, it's not, um, uh, it's not necessarily my story. So it, it's, uh, it's a bit of a weird scenario where I, I get Spider-Man credits, but it feels like it's no Spider-Man, cre- Spider-Man credits from a distance almost. Gotcha. Gotcha. Do you, I mean, is that something that you, you'd want to take on at some point if Marvel came to you and said, Hey man, we want you to do some Spidey stuff. Is that, is that a character that you've were you reading Spidey when you were uh, in the hospital as a kid? I mean, what kind of stuff were you reading that you want to be writing yes, now? Spider Man was was yeah. my book growing gotcha. up. Uh, you know, Craven's Last Hunt was the thing. Okay, I think that made me really want to get into making comics uh, because you know it showed me kind of what they could be. Um, yeah, I think at some point uh, I, I would like to write Spider Man. I don't think uh, anytime in the immediate future, though. I think. Um, uh, right now, I, I'm just in a weird place where I kind of want to do like smaller characters, and I want to do yeah uh, bigger characters. Right now, I think there's just more uh, more flexibility with some of the smaller characters and some of the smaller books. Uh, I, I like that because uh, I'm I'm all about the C listers, man, and the D listers. I I love a good slapstick and a man thing and stuff like that. Uh, do Do you have any that you know any any of the smaller guys that you know? You, low-key want to put out in the universe hope that maybe marvel's listening <laughs> yeah i think uh, i i've said this on a few podcasts before but uh when i started at marvel the one promise i made to myself is that before i was done at marvel i would uh, uh do a speedball book that delivered oh. on the promise of him being you know marvel's next big thing or at least being cool uh, oh yeah it's when i was a kid when they first uh uh, introduced speedball it was a huge marvel sort of uh, advertising blitz within their books and they were really promising that 
that speedball was going to be like the next Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, you know, they had did go back and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, it's it's whatever, 25, uh, probably much longer than that, 30 some odd years later. And we know that's not true. That never happened. But uh, he's a character, uh, you know, I, I bought into it wholesale when I was a kid. And he's a character I've always just wished we could somehow deliver, if not fully, but, you know, maybe somewhat on that promise. I'd love to see it, man. I think it... Uh... I think it'd be a lot of fun too. I think it'd be kind of a, I don't know. I, I think all the hipster comic fans would be into it. That's for damn sure. You know, all, all the Dark Hawk fans would be all over this. Sure. You know, I mean, it's Speedball is just right up that alley to where it's just such a cult following that you know when <laughs> when given the opportunity, they're gonna they're gonna drink the Kool Aid in masses, man. Sure. Uh, oh man, what a what a great pick. I love that. I love that. Thanks. Um, I, I will say, you know, I, like I said, you've, you've done a lot with Marvel and um, there's only, there's one more Marvel thing I want to touch on, but it's my sure. favorite thing that you've done. And that's, uh, that's dead man, Logan, and you creating the Avengers of the wasteland. I, I love those 12 issues and I love the Avengers of the wasteland. I think, oh, I can't wait for Marvel to really use this team to its fullest. I, I think there's so much potential behind this and, you you being the guy to say farewell to dead man logan you know a classic character i mean the, i mean i guess he was kind of short-lived in a way you know he's he was around sure. for a little bit but at the same time he was an instant classic and um i mean what, what was it like when you were told you were given the opportunity to essentially kill off logan so uh, at first i was uh like i was brought on to old man logan for a couple of years and I was really content writing that book. Um, I was happy, you know, I would have been happy if I was still writing that book today. But uh, yeah, it was at one of the summits where they decided, you know, they mentioned that Wolverine was coming back. So we had to deal with, with old man Logan. And, you know, I, I think I pitched the idea of, you know, just kind of killing him off, giving him his sort of swan song. I think like the original old man Logan series is kind of a um, it's like unforgiven for Wolverine, right? Like, um, and I feel like if if we're gonna send him off, it feels like we need to sort of complete that circle that the that the that the unforgiven does, where like you know Clint Eastwood dies at the end. Spoiler mm -hmm. for anyone who's not read it or <laughs> seen it, sorry. But uh, you know, but I wanted it to make sense. I wanted it to sort of resonate with the readers and. Uh, I think almost from the moment that we decided Logan was going to die, I knew how he was going to die. And I had the whole ending of the series planned before I started writing the series. Uh, and oh, like wow. normally, normally we'd plan out everything before you jump in the series, but it was like the ending that I had even before I started outlining the series or pitching the idea for the series. And, I like it. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was great. Like it was, um, it was, I found the last issue like it was really emotional for me to write. It was uh, I was touching a lot of things that uh, you know I think uh, that I, are things I've dealt with in my own personal life that I was sort of like working through with Logan as well. But uh, yeah, to just end that sort of saga, the old man Logan saga was was a great feeling. You know? Well, you I could definitely. You could feel the emotion in there, too, just as a reader. I mean, not even like, oh, man, one of my favorites is going away. Like, you can really feel that you, the writer, put your emotion into this. Like, you, you were just as invested into writing this as we are as fans of the character. And, it, I mean, it, it showed. And it just made the, the, the farewell just – it meant so much more. So, I really, as, as a fan of the character, like, thank you, man, because it was – it was so beautiful. And then you, you left so much, you know, more. You, you paved the way for more in the wasteland. And uh, it's a beautiful thing <laughs> what you did, man. <laughs> I love nice. the Avengers of the Wasteland. You know, I mean, Danny reaching over and, uh, you know, becoming worthy. Spoilers. But, right. I mean, it was, ah, <laughs> uh, man. Was uh, that something that you had planned out, too? Or did you just specifically have the death of Logan planned no, out? No, the thing with Danny, I knew pretty early I wanted to do. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I, like, I know that came after, but it was, I think when I started writing it, because I knew Danny 
from the moment that Logan hits a wasteland, he was, you know, Danny was going to find him. And she was involved. There was a, a Bendis five issue Secret Wars in that she was part of. And so I wanted to bring her back into it. And I don't know, I don't know if I had her picking up the hammer right out of the gate, but I knew fairly early on that I wanted that to happen. I, I wanted him to have, to feel like he could die knowing that somebody else is going to be out there protecting the wastelands. I love it. And so, you know, in order to do that, I think her picking up the hammer made the most sense. I love it, man. Cause I mean, I think every new universe needs some sort of Thor out there. I mean, it just, it's just weird without it. So, ah, sure. uh, man, see, and that's, that's the book that I want to continue to see. I know you got a five issue miniseries out of that, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think the Avengers of the Wasteland really is something that could be played on for, I mean, eternity. And there's, there's, there's so much potential there. I, I love that. Uh, I love that team. It's just a matter of time before, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a mainstream storyline that, that Marvel's focusing on. It's, it's that damn good. Danny. I mean, it, it's, uh, she's such a good character um i i i know you 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 probably get your your ear bent on marvel all the time but as much as i love my marvel i am just as much an indie fan and what you've been doing through uh with your indie comics lately man getting that issue with michael walsh on uh (laughs) silver coin that third issue death rattle i gotta say i mean i've read all five and this is the the one that would just went it, right out the gate, I mean, pedaled to the to the floor. I mean, there was no ramping up whatsoever. It was just went hard right off the bat, uh, and I, 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 I'm amazing. Um, now, Thanks. I know you said you like to write darker stuff before, and uh, writing a lot of Marvel. I know that you don't get to write a whole lot of dark stuff. I mean, old man or dead man Logan, old man Logan. That's you know about as dark as it usually gets for Marvel. So getting to to take it to that next level with the uh, with silver coin, I mean, how how was how that? Like getting to really dig your teeth into <laughs> taking it, was, it where you want. Well, it's a lot of fun. Like like I said earlier, Walsh and I have been fans or friends right for years. Uh, you know, we talk several several times a week still. And uh, so he had told me when he was starting this project uh, about it, and you know, obviously I wanted in. Um, uh, I'm a huge horror fan, giant fan of horror film and uh, horror fiction in general. And that's sort of one of those muscles I haven't really been able to flex in a lot of my writing because there's not much at Marvel that really calls for it. Um, And my creator and work has mostly been crime stuff. I haven't really done any horror. So yeah, it was just a, it was just an opportunity to come in and sort of flex those muscles a little bit. Uh, I did have the advantage of sort of like seeing what uh, Chip and Kelly had done already. Like if you, if you read my story, uh, you read Chip and Kelly's, you can see like I, I actually made an attempt to sort of connect their two stories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just, yeah, it was just a fun exercise. I just wanted to do something that sort of felt like me, like the kind of writing I haven't been able to do uh, in a while where it's just kind of, it was a crime story but just with a, with a pretty bleak core element to it. So it was, it was one of those things where he asked me, and I kept putting it off, actually writing the script. And I think I, that script, I ended up just sitting down with no idea what it was going to be and just started writing. And I think I didn't leave my keyboard for about three days. Uh, I, it just, once I got into the zone for it, I was able to just pound it out. And I just kept going back and revising, revising until it was... Uh, to a place where I wanted it to be. And I think like, you know, it, it, there's parts of it that are like sufficiently just creepy as hell. Uh, but uh, you know, I think it forwards, it moves the story forward, the, the overall sort of silver coin story forward in an interesting way as well. Oh, I, I, I agree. I, I agree completely. And I mean, it, it, uh, it it's just, it, it's the type of gore and gruesomeness that I want in a comic without being uh, like, I guess over the top you know you know it it was it it balanced so well so to know that this is kind of your your first little taste into to writing horror um (laughs) bravo man i mean do you do you have the the 
I don't know. Do you have a taste for it now? Is it something that you see yourself doing a lot more of horror? Um, I don't know for sure. We'll see. Like I, I keep trying to you know pitch ideas that are, or develop ideas, sorry, that are horror themed, but there's nothing I've been able to really put together that I'm satisfied with. I, I probably have like 10 straight horror pitches in different stages of development, but none of them, none of them feel ready. None of them feel right. Um, gotcha. I'm doing another crime thing that's not with a publisher or anything right now. It's the thing that I'm developing that is more is a crime uh, story with a backdrop of horror filmmaking. Oh, uh, but it's it's a weird, very long project that I've been sort of keeping on the back burner for about ten years. But it's about a, a filmmaker who's trying to make films uh, in different decades, sixties, seventies, and eighties. Uh, which are like sort of three uh, crucial uh, mm. decades for like trash cinema, I guess you would call it. But uh, yeah, so I have I have some of that in the backdrop, but in the background, but nothing straight horror. But that's not for lack of trying. I, I I just haven't been able to come up with an idea that I'm in love with enough to, uh, to follow through. Understood. And that's, that's, I mean, appreciated too, because I mean, there's, there's, there's plenty of horror out there. We don't need anybody just putting out half-ass ideas just for the sure. sake of doing it. So, I mean, I, I love it, but what you have done, man, with silver coin, that was amazing. And then <laughs> beyond the breach, this is a hundred percent a horror book. I mean, this, <laughs> this is amazing what you did here. This was the book that finally made me go, all right, I got to see if Ed Brisson is available because I got to talk about this. I love everything that Aftershock is putting out right now. So, I mean, I, I just having that little logo on the book made me go, yeah, for sure. And then your name on top of it. And then, holy shit, man. Uh, where, where did Beyond the Breach come from? Uh, so it was a, a bizarre process uh, birthing Beyond the Breach. It was uh you know, at the start of COVID, Damien and I um, were talking about pitching some stuff, which is, you know, uh, I don't know how much if you've talked to, about this with anyone else, but like trying to pitch anything during COVID mm -hmm. uh, is was like trying to sell refrigerators in the Arctic. Like it's mm -hmm. just nobody wanted anything during COVID. The, like the publishing ground to halt. Nobody knew if the industry was even going to survive, et cetera, et cetera. Great. So we picked like the worst time, but it was obviously the time that we had free time all of a sudden open up but you know unfortunately so did everybody else um <clears throat> so it was a thing where we just sat down and talked damien and i sort of laid out what kind of book we'd want to do he and i have done uh you know crime books in the past uh we've done uh, sci-fi books but we hadn't really done a horror book and this is more like a horror kind of dark modern fantasy i guess i don't know like where you would peg it but um yeah it was just i threw him this idea of of the breach and what it would mean and kind of building it out like a story engine in that i wanted to do something where we weren't necessarily bound to one aesthetic or one world so you know one of the things this isn't a giant spoiler it's a mild spoiler uh for beyond the breach going forward is that you know, what California looks like is not going to be what like Wyoming looks like, or it's not going to be what Idaho looks like or what Oregon looks like. Every area has been affected differently. And it's not as clean mm. as like state borders. It's just, you know, it's, it's the breaches common has affected different um, regions, geographical errors or yeah. errors, yeah, regions differently. And uh, part of the, the thing behind that, that makes it fun for us is that if we get bored in one sort of environment, we can just, move them somewhere else and have a, so awesome. a different environment and different threats uh, or different allies and all those sort of stuff. So we can constantly sort of change up the rules of what we're doing here and what the story is going to be about and what they're going to be facing and, and all that sort of jazz. And it, it, so it's kind of like doing a sci-fi book where like they're on a different planet, you know, every arc or every issue or what, what have you. Okay. Um, but we just, we wanted to do that, but also sort of ground it. So there's still like, earthly stuff happening all over the place right there's still people around there's still recognizable buildings uh but you know maybe like new york looks like planet of the apes right now so it doesn't but you know just as, right. as an example you know um 
we wanted to have sort of both of those things. Let's look at have a cake and eat it too sort of scenario. Um, so we just, you know, we built the world sort of first, uh, what we wanted to do, but we left it open enough that if we come up with an idea, you know, uh, five issues in or whatever that we want to try out, we can do it because that's the world is open to, to us, to us uh, changing it up and, and changing up the environments. Um, and yeah, and then we just built a story sort of around that general idea that uh, I think is a fun and sort of intriguing story. I think there's a lot of stuff that, you know, the first issue is just kind of throwing you right into the shit and not really explaining <laughs> yeah. what's going on. But, you know, we, we'll start to explain stuff as we're going forward, you know, as Vanessa sort of struggles with what the world has become and trying to figure out if there's a way to fix it or undo it or find out who's responsible or what's responsible. Um, so yeah, we built the story and built like a first five issue arc, which is, you know, mostly about her trying to get to uh, one destination. And then our hope was that if the book is successful enough, we could go beyond five issues and tell different stories, um, you know, using Vanessa still as our protagonist, but moving the locations and, and changing up the feel of the world and uh, just having fun with it. The whole thing is just, it's just fun. This is a fun thing to write. And so really like a uh, challenging design wise, challenging writing wise to just come up with new stuff, almost issue, every issue. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, to, to know that this isn't actually set out to be a horror book and to know that, you know, that the, every, anything could happen based off of <laughs> a geographical location. I mean, that, that just, the, the, Oh man, it, it blows me away because I mean, it, to, to, just to know right off the bat, I mean, there's, Oh, you're, they're clearly in a, a horrific setting. I mean, there's, there's things eating dad. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not, it's not awesome. Um, but Oh man. So, I mean, to know that it's not specifically going to be a whore going into these, these other regions, it, my, my, my imagination is just going a million miles a second right now as to know what, what you guys could possibly create with, with this character going forward. I mean, I can't wait to know what the hell the breach even is. You know, like you said, he just kind of threw us into the shit, but I'm, I'm, I'm so okay with that. You know, I would so much rather it be this than us get 20 pages of going, well, this is what you're getting ready to read. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean that that's that's so boring, man. <laughs> um, I know I, I I love the way you did this. I'm a hundred percent on board. Um, I, I get <laughs> just the, the way you talk to your <laughs> you, you don't really mention any of these other characters going forward in this uh <laughs> in this book. I don't know if that's something that you, you had to train yourself to do, or I mean it's any type of indication that um the, the, the tragedies are uh, permanent. I'm trying not to spoil. I'm not trying to spoil <laughs> anything for anyone. Yes, uh, no, you're doing a really it. good job of that. You are, um, because honestly, I, I that, that that cliffhanger at the end, I mean, whew, <laughs> I, it's it, it's brilliant. And either Thanks. way it goes, I mean, it's uh, I, I I'm it's I'm gonna be happy with the payoff. You know, whether it's a permanent thing or. Well, stuff happens where you know the day's saved. Either way, I mean, I'm 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 so intrigued. You did such a good job of bringing me into issue one. Um, you you were saying it's you know it's real hard to pitch everything. So how do you get aftershock on board? Like what what makes aftershock the people to say okay we'll do this? Uh, so uh, Christina Harrington, my editor, uh, our editor on Beyond the Breach, used to be my editor on Old Man Logan when she was at Marvel Ooh. and I always liked working with her. I thought she was, you know, <clears throat> she was a really smart editor. Her notes are always great. Uh, she wasn't afraid to like, uh, you know, hold my feet to the fire when I needed it. Um, and I think it, it's, I, I just enjoyed working with her. I thought she was a smart editor. I thought she was a great editor. Uh, I was bummed out when she left Marvel, but when it came time for me to pitch around some creator on stuff, uh, I had talked to her at one point, point after she left Marvel for Aftershock or right when she was doing it and she'd mentioned pitching stuff uh, if I ever had anything so I figured when we had this I shot her an email shot her the pitch and they seemed to be into it so uh, that's kind of why I, I brought it over to Aftershock first I love it I love it and uh, honestly, Aftershock I think they're, they, they've got so much momentum right now they're, they're one of those 
you know, like I, I hate using the term like lower level indie publisher. They're just they're not in like the top five or whatever for whatever stupid reason. And to to know that they're putting out books like this and just almost everything they do is 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 so incredible. I mean, their 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 vetting process for <laughs> good content is uh, second to none. That's for damn sure. I mean, mm-hmm. I I put them up there with. I mean, it's good, if not better, than a lot of the the more recognized indie publishers out there. So, man, I I think having the aftershock name on this, this is with the momentum that they have. I think you're 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 set. I I mean, and to know that you have the intentions of making this an ongoing series is so exciting. Well, Ed, like fingers <laughs> fingers crossed. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Man, well, I tell you what, I'm in the. Uh, I mean, I'm in the. Sp- speculative community and when you've got speculators talking about a book i mean it's it's going to drive the market and you know the, they're going to see the sales you know i mean has this gone into a second printing yet because it should uh you know what i don't i as terrible as this is uh i don't really track that sort of stuff oh okay um so i don't know gotcha uh, I'm, I'm i'm sure i'll be seeing it on the focs here soon um but uh yeah, no, I mean, the, the, the speculators are talking about it. It was a strong first issue. And the second issue, as we speak, it comes out here in just, uh, is it this week or next uh, week? Issue two is ne- uh, this week. Yeah. Just nice, man. Nice. Perfect. So, yeah, no, it's, uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the second issue continues just as strong as this first. Then I think you're in great shape, man. I, I, I Well, I say you're in great shape. I think us as readers are in great shape because this is just another another one of those series that we it's a it's one where someone you know a new reader can ask hey man i'm looking for something different what can i (laughs) and you can hand them beyond the breach like as of issue number one like this is a book i feel confident saying hey man check this out this is new you haven't read this before i mean it's i don't know i you you nailed it dude i don't think you need to be told that by me but just uh (laughs) i know you're not doing cons right now so you know you don't have a line of people like you normally would lined up to to shake your hand and sign the book and say thank you for this so i'm gonna i'm gonna give you that right now because yeah yeah, man thank you um uh and you you have another one coming out here real soon too but uh through dc you've got you've got the clown hunter book man yeah um i think that's also at wednesday Yes, yes, it's a big week for you. Um, a big week for me as well because, <laughs> I mean, as stated, um, I'm a I'm a I, early into the game. I was a clown hunter fan. I immediately knew that I was going to love this character, and I've I've have all types of speculative thoughts about this character, and you know, I'm a firm believer that this is. The, the red x and all of that stuff so when the, seeing the secret files come out you know getting a clown hunter book i'm i'm beyond excited and then seeing your name attached to it i mean this is this is exciting stuff i mean so you haven't done a whole lot with dc you did a batman and robin eternal a couple issues of that and this would be right yes uh i did a couple issues okay. um uh, four issues back in 2015 Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, my first, I think this is actually my first DC work uh, since 2015. So yeah, since six years, five years, I guess Batman and Robin Eternal spilled over into 2016, maybe. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, uh, I mean, you, you get the call from DC after six years and they say, Hey man, we want you to do clown hunter i mean are you following dc at this point i mean well being yeah. you know mostly over at marvel i mean what was uh, yeah we'll talk about yeah, that I, I, read ba- I read batman stuff so oh, oh, you know right on um but yeah i was aware of clown hunter and so yeah i was pretty excited to take it on was, you know it was kind of a badass little kid and a lot of fun to play around with so yeah it was a it was a pretty easy yes from me to to do that book that's that, that's awesome, man. So, are, are, I mean, are you like going back and forth with James at all on this, or is it does he just like hand you over the reins? And or... so it's just a one shot, so it's just a one issue. So okay. it, it was just all they wanted me to do was come in and sort of tell his origin, uh, like his origin a little bit, um, and uh, like kind of how he became Clown Hunter, and then while also showing him present day as Clown Hunter. So, yeah, I don't think like. Uh, you know, Ben Abernathy, who was the editor, you know, had a lot of good notes early on to sort of help guide the story. 
but it, it's been a it was a pretty chill experience. Uh, it's weird because I actually wrote it like at the end of last year. So uh, oh, wow. it's just weird to see it now finally coming out. Um, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. Clown Hunter is that sort of like I really like those those characters that don't really pull their punches. He's you know kind of complicated because he's still pretty young and still trying to figure it out and has a very black and white view of the world that uh, is definitely at odds with Batman and most of the Bat family um, and is actually more in line with Joker and Riddle and all those guys. So it's fun to sort of write a character that rides that line uh, between those those two camps. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was that was definitely, I mean, what, what, what drew me to him immediately, other than the fact that, I mean, I mean, everything about him's badass. <laughs> everything from the the weapon he uses to, I don't know. It's just he he was immediately an intriguing character, an interesting character. And then we haven't seen him since that 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 arc. He just kind of disappeared. And now, I mean, ah. Uh, so I actually, um, I, I I this is one that I kind of pre-ordered heavy on. I, I this is the first um, one shot featuring uh clown hunter so i mean i i picked up five and told all my listeners to pick up 10 so i hope this sells a million copies for you man uh because <laughs> i i think it's uh, down the road this is going to be a a piece of history as well if, if dc continues to use this character like they should um then yeah no i mean you you're you're gonna be writing a piece of history i mean i know that his origin has kind of slightly been touched upon just a, a wee bit yeah. but I mean, you got to give the real thing, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I... they've already shown, like, it's been shown, like, what happened to his parents and stuff. So we're, I'm sort of coming in a bit with his origin a little bit after that and what his life was like after his parents uh, were killed. Uh, gotcha. But, yeah, it's it, it was fun. It was a lot of fun to write. Is there anything, it, I mean, uh, I don't want to say anything spoilery, but is it... Uh... Is there anything that's going to blow people's mind in here, like as far as uh, revelations go? I don't know. <laughs> I hope so, but like, we'll, I guess we'll see. I guess it'll depend on the reader. Awesome. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, I'm trying to think. I love it. I love it, man. Uh, either way, I mean, I'm I'm a fan of this character. So just having uh, get, getting to read more about him after you know just, he was he was so prominent, and then they're like, no, oh, we're going to kind of go a different way now, and. I don't know. I mean, I've, I, I'm I'm trying to piece things together. Uh, I I and I don't want to bring you into this. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> God forbid something get given away or anything like that. So I'm not even going to attempt it. But um, yeah, man. I don't know. I'm 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 a, I'm a huge fan. So seeing this, uh, it, it's such a good week coming up, man. Beyond the breach to the clown hunter, uh, the one shot. It's uh, a good time to be an Ed Brisson fan. That's for damn sure. Um, do you, do you have any more aspirations to work with DC? I mean, I don't want to yeah. put it that way. Of, of no, I, uh, I have two more things that are coming up for them. Oh, nice. Just, I, I'm primarily just doing sort of one shots with them for right now. I love uh, it. So I'm co-writing a uh, peacekeeper, a one, um, oh, yeah. uh, is it fear, fear state, uh, issue with nice. James, James Hannon and I co-wrote Josh Hickson is drawing it um and i did another one that i don't know if it's been announced so i'm not going to say it just in case it hasn't been but um yeah so i am you know happy to keep doing dc stuff i've been at marvel for a long time and while you know i'm happy to keep doing marvel stuff it's it's nice to sort of change things up a little bit and sort of uh playing different sandboxes i love it man i love it oh so much there's so much to oh, <laughs> to be excited about um uh, is there uh anything thing uh that's already been announced that's coming soon from marvel that we haven't touched on at all i don't know like uh you know i i had the predator book that's coming up at some point but i know it's yeah. been delayed, yeah delayed and i i don't know when it's actually coming out uh i'm still working on it uh oh that's a good so, sign so they so, haven't told you pencils down no no not at all it's still coming. okay cool it's just been delayed gotcha. uh but other than that it's just really talks right now about stuff um, I'm actually, as we're doing this, I have a, a, a pitch document open here that I just got some notes on that I'm working <laughs> through. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully news soon. I'm hoping that within the next like three months, I'm going to have a bunch of stuff announced, but it's, I've been sort of taking, uh, some time to sort of just put my, my nose to the grindstone and 
work through a bunch of pitches of stuff that I want to do creator and wise and, and stuff I want to do elsewhere. Um, so it's been a lot of just uh, taking a bit of a break and, and trying to figure out next moves. So hopefully soon, hopefully it all pays off in the next few months. I love it. I'm sure it will, man. I'm sure it will. You got a lot of momentum behind you right now. I'm excited. I'm so excited Thanks. for everything that you, you, I mean, you, you, you've done, and I know that you have coming to you. It's, it's, it's good things. Um, I, people a hundred percent know who the hell you are. So, <laughs> um, and you, and you've been doing good things to, to, to prove that you're, you're very relevant and you deserve to, to, to have the big name that you do in this industry. So Man, just keep doing what you're doing. I don't, you, don't, you don't need to hear that from me. I, I'm, right. I'm a fan. <laughs> and I'm sure that there's lots of listeners on here that are so excited to hear this. I talk to a lot of, uh, you know, uh, indie creators, and when I get the chance to reach out to somebody of your caliber, it's, uh, oh, it's 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 always just that much more exciting. And to know, the, and I'm here to talk about your indie book more than anything. Like that's what I love about it. You're 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 this high caliber Marvel DC creator that is putting out just amazing. Um, well, I mean, uh, horror and sci-fi and fantasy and, oh, man, <laughs> you, you're uh, uh, prolific. Let's put it that way. Thanks. So, oh, man. Um, Ed, thank you so much for all. Oh, you know what? I have to ask you real quick before sure. you go. Um, uh, best protagonist in all of comics. Protagonist. Doesn't even have to be superhero. Just best protagonist, all of comics. And I don't know. Uh, maybe Daredevil. Oh, I love I mean, it. Huge Daredevil fans. So. I love it, man. See, uh, it says so much. Now, now the listeners can chew on that and analyze right. who you are just that much more as I leave them hanging. And hopefully uh, part two at some point, we could touch on that a little bit more. This has been a lot of fun, Ed. Thank you All so right. much for Thank your you. time. I know you're a busy guy. No problem. Hey, cheers, man. All right. Talk to you later. Greetings, henchmen and loyal subjects. I am Evan the Great. Now I'm JVD. We're your host of the Fictional Battle Podcast, Crossover Collision, brought to you by the Villains Demand. If you love hearing in-depth breakdowns of your favorite characters and what they are capable of doing while fighting in random battlegrounds against other fan favorites, then this is the podcast for you. New episodes drop every Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or over on thevillainsdemand.com. Well, there you have it, episode 345 in the books. The creator that has been cornered is none other than the legend, Ed Brisson. I know, I know, I have a hard time believing it myself. So, uh, yeah, make sure you, uh, if you haven't already, pick up Beyond the Breach. I hope I didn't spoil much for you there. Um, but as far as Clown Hunter goes, like since the interview's come out, I've had the chance to... Uh, read this issue and the little revelation that he kind of teases at i think it's all there's nothing 100 percent affirming that you know my suspicions of who red x is is correct but uh it's it's pretty fucking uh it helps let's put it that way let's put it that way so and brisson isn't blowing smoke people um no really you got to check out everything this man's done i mean fucking x-men i would probably just leave it at that right uh, but no, there's so much more, and so much more to come as well. And I've got to read issue two of Beyond the Breach since. And uh, yeah, it's not a horror book. It is, in fact, a uh, fantasy. And it is, it's so fucking good. So um, yeah, man, Ed Brisson. So remember, make sure you leave those reviews. Uh, anywhere you can, uh, Podchaser being a huge place to leave them, Apple Podcasts, whatever the fuck they're called now, iTunes, I don't know what the hell you call them, but, you know, uh, the, the, the Jobby Jobs app, yeah, <laughs> uh, five-star reviews, people, tremendously helpful to this podcast, um, remember, check out all of the shows on the Apocalypse list, hashtag the Apocalypse on Podchaser while you're over there as well, it's everything from true crime to sports to nerd talk to news to anything you could want any any type of genre podcast you want you could find it on the apocalypse list on podchaser mm-hmm. you know just one of the biggest podcast lists on the planet not a big deal no big deal um all right all right so there you go i'll talk to you the next time there's things about comics to talk about remember uh the one-stop shop for all of your uh, cheers to comics content is cheers to comics.com don't stop going to cheers to comics.com and uh all right um i commend you stay safe and read responsibly cheers you fuckers
Listen to Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Monty Michael Moore, and this is the Cheers to Comics podcast with Brian Wayne. This is Drew Zucker. You're listening to Cheers to Comics podcast. This is Mark Russell, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Hey, this is Ed Brisson, and you're listening to the Cheers to Comics podcast. Podcast recommendations, you ask? Brian Wayne here, co-curator of The Apocalypse, And I know that sounds gnarly. That's because it is gnarly, man. The Apocalypse. What is The Apocalypse? The Apocalypse is a culmination of the gnarliest podcast, independent podcast the internet has to offer. So instead of trying to go to Twitter the next time you uh, need a new podcast to listen to and try to get Twitter famous, podcast recommendations, please. Just think The Apocalypse, man. And it's ironic because The Apocalypse is only the beginning. It's only the beginning. Just go to podchaser.com. It's it's in the top list. The top list in the whole world. So whether you're looking for true crime, sports, uh, role-playing, uh, I don't know, anything, anything. Think of a podcast. It's on the apocalypse. It's like the apocalypse with a D. Hmm. And do not forget to follow the apocalypse on Twitter as well. Once again, that is the apocalypse. If you're looking for a podcast recommendation, the apocalypse is sure to have something for you. Good morning. Brian Wayne here to tell you about my new podcast, The Real Brains. The Real Brains podcast is a show coming out daily dedicated to the everyday struggle of just the average human being. From troubles with rage to uh, anecdotes about uh, very strange human interactions, this podcast really is just a uh, somebody that's all too familiar with the struggle. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone, so come laugh at uh, our pain together every single weekday, every place you can catch a podcast. Check out The Real Brains with Brian Wayne. Remember, stay sane. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now 